While the term Munger Hall has received national recognition in recent months, many are unaware of the complexities within the context behind the controversial building project. Of particular importance is UCSB's long-range development plan, the contract developed in 2010 between UCSB, Santa Barbara County, and Goleta that requires the university to build housing to accommodate increased students and faculty by 2025. I sat down with the Daily Nexus's Atmika Iyer and Holly Rush to discuss their recent Nexus Explained piece on the long-range development plan, Ocean Road Housing, and Munger Hall. Thank you both so much for joining us today on KCSB News. It's wonderful to have you both back. I was wondering if you could begin by introducing yourselves for our listeners. My name is Holly, and I am the Daily Nexus University News Editor. And my name is Othmika, and I'm the Daily Nexus County News Editor. Wonderful. You've been doing a lot of important coverage on the recent controversy surrounding Munger Hall, the housing crisis at large in recent months. And you just published an article, a Nexus Explained article, outlining the long-range development plan, Ocean Road, and Munger Hall housing. I want to start off with the long-range development plan. So for those who don't know, what is the plan and why is it important? So the long-range development plan is a contract between the university, the county, and the city of Goleta that stipulates a bunch of random things, but for the purposes of um, housing, it stipulates um, student enrollment growth and um, student housing. And to be a little bit more specific, um, it basically stipulates that as enrollment grows, so should housing. So they should both grow in tandem, essentially. And I'm just going to read the specifics out loud. It specifically stipulates that the university must cap enrollment at 25,000 until 2025, build more dormitories for the additional 5,000 students that the UC mandated every campus enroll by 2025, and build 18,000 new units for its faculty. So that's sort of the, the gist of what the long-range development plan is. It's a contract with, with many different parts to it but specifically the parts we want to focus on in terms of Munger Hall and Ocean Road, um, it stipulates a lot of things about housing and, and enrollment growth. Yeah, and just to just to elaborate a little bit on, on the current context of the LRDP. So right now, the city of Goleta is actually suing the university for violating the LRDP, the enrollment portion. And then Munger Hall and Ocean Road, that relates to the housing portion. But as you can see, these things are all very much intertwined and connected. This is one of the most complex contracts you could probably ever get your yeah, hands on. Yeah, it's so confusing. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when it says that uh, UCSB must cap enrollment at 25,000, and this is a critical part because people, a lot of people miss this, um, they don't mean 25,000 specifically for a quarter they mean a three-quarter average. So whatever quarter we're at, so fall quarter is just ending, right? So the last three quarters are what need to be taken into account um, and the average of those three quarters in order to determine whether or not the university did violate the long-range development plan. Um, and I'm going to you know, point out the obvious here and say that the university is maintaining that it did not violate the long-range development plan. I'm going to stop saying that and I'm going to start saying LRDP because it's a mouthful. Um, 
because the county is engaged in mediation with uh, the university and the city of Goleta uh, is pursuing litigation against the university. Um, both sides believe there is some sort of violation of the long range development plan. So I do definitely want to talk about the city of Goleta pursuing um, a lawsuit against the university for violation of the LRDP. What does this mean? What does this look like? Has this happened in the past? Well, to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is pretty much unprecedented, at least in our current understanding of the university and the county's relationship. So this is really the first time that we've ever seen something like this occur. Uh, like Athena mentioned, this alleged violation, this is not new news. People, the city has been discussing this with the university. They've been engaged with mediation, but the lawsuit is definitely, definitely a step up. And basically the gist of the lawsuit, and I'm sorry for repeating what Athena said, is that they are alleging that because of this violation, the university is at fault for the housing crisis. And I'm sure most people listening to this will know what the housing crisis is, but basically this fall quarter, a large amount of students at UCSB were just not able to find housing. There's no housing in the neighboring town, town-ish, of Isla Vista. There's no university housing. I mean, there are hundreds of students that were on the wait list for housing, and there were around 300 students this quarter that were living in university-subsidized hotels. So the housing crisis at UCSB is super, super serious. It's a really big deal, and that's kind of the the catalyst i think for engaging in in actual litigation instead of just this sort of like talking it out like people are really upset about this and the city of goleta has decided to take action yeah and just to add a a few things to that too the thing with litigation is that um the party pursuing it has to prove damages right so from the city of goleta's perspective the housing crisis um damaged various aspects of you know their city specifically saying that because the city was hosting students in hotel housing it was just it was depriving the city of something known as transient occupancy tax revenue which would otherwise come from you know people who would otherwise be taking the spots of students living in the hotels Um, and they're also saying that the um, increased demand for housing in Goleta um, from students is basically putting um, a, it's putting pressure on public resources that's being diverted towards students rather than, you know, regular residents. And so um, they're, because of those damages, they're saying, you know, you, your housing crisis caused these damages to the city of Goleta, you violated the long range development plan. So we need to redress the situation. And according to Kelly Hoover, who's an employee of the city of Goleta, the only way to address these damages, according to them, was to pursue litigation. Hmm. More than 25,000 students were enrolled this Hmm. fall. That is fact, that is, you know, just the the facts of the matter. But the university is saying, well, during uh, winter and fall, these numbers are going to fall below 25,000 and it's going to sort of even out. We're not going to be in violation. That's their argument. Got it. So your piece also outlines the Ocean Road faculty and staff housing project, which I think doesn't have as much recognition lately, isn't really being talked about as much. Could you give us an overview of what this plan is and the timeline that we're working with? 
Actually, oh, oh yeah <laughs> we can do that so glad to you're right you're right you know ocean road people don't know this it was a really big big thing in 2009 and then mm. again sort of in 2017 but now because of munger hall because of all this crazy stuff that's happening ocean road is like no one no one knows and it doesn't really seem like a big deal but back in the day this was a huge thing it was huge <laughs> And, you know, when we went over the long range development plan, um, you know, Munger Hall is about student housing Mm. and faculty obviously have been affected by this housing crisis too. And if we're looking at the potential solutions to address uh, faculty housing or the lack thereof, that is the Ocean Road project. Mm. And so I want to say sometime during spring quarter, the Nexus news team, we PRA documents which is the Public Records Act, we PRA documents uh, from the university about Ocean Road because this project just seemed um, stalled for lack of a better word. We hadn't heard anything new. We didn't know what was happening. Um, And so we just said, you know, screw it. Let's get those documents. And we did. And um, what it currently seems like is that, um, you know, just like Munger Hall, the university is going forward with Ocean Road, and it is currently on track to be built by 2025, which is the deadline. I mean, to, to construct this amount of housing in how long? Four years? I mean, right. it's going to be an enormous, enormous effort. Just for people who have no idea what Ocean Road is, basically, like we said, the LRGP along with enrollment numbers and student housing, it also mandates a certain amount of new faculty housing. Mm. Uh, And Ocean Road would be the the project that would create these new homes. And it's planned to be built on Ocean Road, the cross street sort of that divides Isla Vista and UCSB. Just for positioning details, like kind of imagine where student health is, because quite actually, they're going to have to remove the student health building for this project and relocate it. Basically, they're going to have to reconstruct several aspects of what that area looks like. So just to give people an idea, it's kind of the parking lot in front of the Thunderdome parking lot. So that area is generally where, where you'd be seeing a lot of changes. And the contract also stipulates that, or the details about Ocean Road and the documents we received stipulate that. Um, this project is going to change a lot of, you know, parking lot areas, a lot of various aspects of our campus in that area, um, just because Ocean Road is a fairly massive project. Mm. And you can sort of see the map on our article. Um, and and if you zoom in a little bit, you see like in terms of even just length, it's a fairly a big portion of area that they're looking to construct. So basically, there's a, a row of eucalyptus trees um, down <laughs> Ocean Road. And in in 2000, this project was a, like originally brought to the UC Regents because it needs Regents approval in 2007. And it was stopped in 2009, in part because of the controversy over these trees, which provide... Um, sort of a safe haven for a lot of animals in the area. Other concerns about Ocean Road, basically not all of the units are going to be for rent and they're going to be for sale. So people, Mm. faculty will be able to purchase them. And I'll add one more thing, which was a concern for um, 
I guess the people before us and, and we inherited that concern. Yeah. Um, in the current way that the project is situated, it sort of erases the line between Isla Vista and the campus, um, which a lot of people have attributed to the university sort of overextending its power um, and trying to reach into Isla Vista when it should be looking to, I guess, stick with the demarcation of what is university and what is the college town and the university not extending its power into Isla Vista. And so this, I guess, physical boundary is representative of a more metaphysical idea regarding the university's power and what it should extend to and what it should not extend into. Right. So just to summarize, because I know we can ramble about this topic, <laughs> uh, we're, we're aware. Basically, Ocean Road is the, the university housing project that would fulfill their stipulation to create more faculty housing units. It's going to be, like Athmika said, on the border between Isla Vista and campus, which has created some controversy. Basically, the, the location itself has just created some controversy. And the other additional thing to know is that the UC Regents need to approve before the project can go to construction just because it's it's going to be built on a UC campus. So that the Regents do have some say over it. And then additionally, the California Coastal Commission has some say over it as well, just because of the university, uh, just because of UCSB's location on the coast. So neither of those things have happened yet. That there has been no approval of the things that need to be approved. Just, just to be clear. So, I mean, that does move us on to the next topic that was in your article, which is obviously the big controversial story of Munger Hall, the proposed windowless dorm, 11 stories. What remaining barriers does the Munger Hall proposal have to go through in order to actually happen by 2025? And do you too anticipate that Munger is going to happen in that time frame? So... What I will say is that both of these projects, at least what's been told to us by a couple sources, are under an ambitious deadline. Mm. I think it's possible. I think the university has to is obligated to fulfill a contract, so I think it's possible. But in terms of the barriers, it's it's exactly what Holly said for Ocean Road. The regions have not approved. Coastal Commission has not yet approved. We haven't even seen the environmental impact report yet for Munger Hall which I believe we're supposed to see this upcoming spring quarter. So the same barriers exist. And you know what? I'll add one more barrier for both Ocean Road and Munger Hall. UCSB promised to be zero net carbon emissions by 2025, which means this 2025 deadline is not just for that zero net carbon emission goal, but also for Ocean Road and for Munger Hall. So the deadline that, UC, that UCSB has set for this one goal will have to be reflected in both of these projects from the get-go. There's no you know, adjustment. There's no brief period of time of doing it one way then switching it over to another. It's making sure that it's sustainable and zero net carbon emissions ready to go upon its construction. So it's, it's basically still in the same place. We haven't even seen the environmental impact report yet. So there's a, there's a long ways to go. 
And just through your coverage of Munger Hall, I know we were all at the November 5th protest. What have been the primary concerns you've been hearing from students? From the get-go, student concern has mostly been around the fact that there are no real windows and the building is full of artificial lighting and mechanical ventilation and, and how that contributes towards mental health. I'll also say that it's not just students who are concerned. It's faculty. We've seen a large amount of faculty coming out against Munger Hall. We've seen the American Institute of Architects, the Santa Barbara chapter specifically, come out against this project. I'll basically tell you that most people, aside from the university and Charles Munger himself, are not in love with this project. Yeah. And for good reason, right? Like, aside from just the fact that mechanical ventilation and lack of natural lighting affecting mental health, there's several things that are just sort of off. For example, this building will not be near any dining commons. It's going to have a grab-and-go food location within the building. But this grab-and-go food location, for some reason, is on the top floor of Munger Hall. So say you're living on any other floor, you have to go up to get your food and then come down all the way and leave. Isn't it more architecturally smart to have it on the bottom floor so that students can just grab it as they go and they don't have to make that extra trip? And, you know, there's a lot of questions about density. You know, we're living in the age of COVID. Some of us, I mean, there's discussions about, you know, the fact that COVID-19 is just going to stick around, you know, and we're just going to have to get boosters and get used to the fact that this is just some and, and, and a new part of our daily life. And if we're looking at that perspective and we're looking at the density of Munger Hall, you know, UCSB choosing to solve their problems with one building, the convenience of that should not be overshadowed by the fact that high density housing has its problems. It's gonna be more difficult for people to quarantine. You know, if they have to be stuck in their little room with, you know, having to go out into the common area for kitchen supplies, for bathrooms, for anything like to give you your basic sustenance, to do your daily things, that is kind of problematic. It makes quarantining a much harder task. So there are multiple things wrong with the Munger Hall design. I'd say students are primarily focused on the lack of natural lighting and the mechanical ventilation, but I'd argue that the architects, the faculty, and basically, what, 99% of the population who's read about this or in some way knows about this, they take issue with a lot of these other things as well. Yeah, and this is a little bit tangential, but I think it's really, really, really important. Not many people know this, but I'm just going to read this quote from Nathan Brostrom. He's the Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer officer of UCOP, the UC Office of the President, and he said this during the California State Assembly Education Finance Meeting. He said, the donor tends to not, this is about the, to clarify, this is about the Munger's design for this building. The donor tends to not have much sway. The design is all approved by the regents. It is property of the regents. In this case, the donor had some very specific ideas about housing. And then he said some other stuff. Whether that is the ultimate design, we'll have to see. So this statement basically infers and communicates 
you know, not really to the public, but to the people at this meeting that the, the UC regents are not obligated. And, and again, like we said, the UC regents are the ones ultimately saying yes or no to this project. They are not obligated to, um, to the design of Charles Munger just because he's the one contributing the money to this project. Like UCSB and all of their statements to us, to the press, to the public have been very like, we are excited to work with Charles Munger. We are excited for this design. It's going forward. But the statement by Brostrom basically confirms that that's not an obligation, which infers that it's a choice. <laughs> it's a choice by UCSB to really stick behind their donor and stick behind his design. But that's just because he's donating the money, there's no financial obligation here to follow through on every aspect of his design. I mean, you know, they want they want the money, they they do want the donation, but that doesn't mean that they're a hundred percent obligated to this current design. And I just add in really quickly that um, the fact that the university is choosing to take the design of some of someone who quite literally calls themselves uh, an amateur architect, um, it, it just screams a little bit of negligence. You know what I mean? When you had Dennis McFadden, someone whose profession, whose actual profession, who's not an amateur, resign from this project, go on to write an LA Times op-ed about everything wrong with it, and you continue to stick to a plan that an amateur architect with a shit ton of money decided to give you, it just screams a little bit of negligence. It, it screams irresponsibility. It, it just does not look good for the university. And I think, you know, within this conversation, as Holly mentioned earlier, we would be remiss to not talk about the current housing crisis at large, the amount of students that have been pushed into non-traditional housing options, 300 students in hotel housing, and then many others, you know, in their cars or commuting from long distances. So as we approach winter 2022, what's the current state of housing options? Do you two have hope about increased housing availability going into the new year? I'd say there's uh, more hope than there was. And the reason why I say that is quarter by quarter, Isla Vista's population definitely fluctuates, right? And that's not to say that the housing crisis is not ongoing. I would want to emphasize it is ongoing. And I tell you that as someone who's still living in Goleta because they haven't found housing in Isla Vista. But the population fluctuates because some people are going to study abroad and some people drop out and some people decide that they didn't like their housing situation during fall quarter and they're going to seek out a new one. And what that does is it leaves more room for people in hotel housing, people who, you know, maybe were living in Goleta or in other locations farther away to sort of come in and take over the spots given up by the people who moved out for one reason or another. So I wouldn't say that the housing crisis has stopped, but I would say there's a little bit of hope. It's not sufficient for everyone, but it is sufficient enough to say that it's getting a little better, I would say. But that being said, the great majority of students at this school are very much aware that they need to secure housing for next year. It is not uh, an easy process. It is stressful. It is very stressful. And I think people at UCSB are really aware now more than ever how 
dire of a situation is like what happens if you don't sign that lease before this year ends it it creates so much anxiety I would be very surprised if we didn't see something like this happen again next fall maybe the university will have a little bit better handle on what to do with those extra students because the hotel thing seems to be working out sort of for them I'm sure that they don't really want to continue doing that either but there isn't going to be more housing constructed by next year. There there definitely isn't going to be more leases in Isla Vista next year. I mean, it's it's scary. It's really scary for students. Yeah, it's definitely a really personal and stress-inducing issue, like you said, Holly. But, you know, as student journalists covering the Munger Hall and housing shortage controversies, I did want to touch on the fact that this is such a deeply personal story to so many people. It affects the lives and basic needs of students. So that being said, what has it been like um, having the perspective of student journalists reporting on this story, but also being affected by it through the quarter and, you know, looking to next year as well? So in terms of being affected by it, um, it kind of, I I have to consider myself um, lucky. And I really want to preface that because I was able to find housing. And in fall quarter, 300 something students were not able to. And we've heard, you know, so many various complaints of that. That's a low estimate. And that's another thing. Like, you know, I lost my housing, what, mid-July, and I secured housing about two weeks before the school year started. I consider myself very lucky. And um, in terms of the student journalist part of this, like, there's the part of me that went through this that feels empathy for students who have to worry about drinking water and you know getting a meal for the day it it sounds so simple when i say it like that but those are things that we take for granted and that have a high cost associated with them when living in a hotel situation right like it's not completely manageable to just doordash and buy food every day there is a high cost associated with that and on top of that some of these students they live half a mile away from a bus stop so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of added components for students who live in hotels that they have to consider that the rest of us really don't have to consider. In terms of the student journalist perspective, um, it's been interesting uh, because this story, the housing crisis, is ever fluctuating. There's always a new update, right? I would make one comment which is that I'm very glad we wrote the Nexus Explained article because I think a lot of the papers reporting on Munger Hall and the housing crisis lacked a lot of context about the housing crisis and about the contractual obligations the university has. And I I really hope that people are able to look to this article now as a source of um, context for the housing crisis, for Munger Hall, for Ocean Road, to better understand these things other than just the surface level of people hate Munger Hall. Yeah, just to add on a little bit to what Afnika said, but I think some of the some of the pieces that came out, you know, a lot of people are unhappy with this design, but we need housing. And the university is legally obligated to provide us with housing. So even though Munger Hall doesn't seem sustainable, you can't really just be like, we don't want that. Like, don't give that to us because people are suffering. 
people are suffering because we do not have enough housing on this campus. A part of it is like it's designed to accommodate as many students as it possibly can. Like it really packs students in. Again, a lot of people have said that's not a good thing. I'm not disagreeing, but there are a lot of students that really, really need a place to live. And the university's enrollment rate is really only going up. I agree with Avnika. I hope that if more things are written um, on Munger in the future, that people writing them are conscientious that we we still do really need that basic need of housing fulfilled on this campus above almost anything else. Well, Holly and Avnika, thank you again so much for joining us today on KCSB News. You're obviously very busy people. Is there anything else you wanted to add or touch on that we didn't get to? I don't think so. Thank you for having us. Yes, for fun being here. Thank you to the Daily Nexus's Opnika Iyer and Holly Rush for joining me today on KCSB News. You can find the piece referenced in this conversation and the Daily Nexus's ongoing coverage of the story at dailynexus.com.